You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Um, let me start by saying to someone that your life is not an accident. Your life is not purposeless. There is actually a lot of God purpose tied to your life. Help me tell the person next to you, tell them your life is on assignment. You're, you're here on assignment. You're here on assignment. Okay? And, and while you're still trying to work out the, the, you know, the descriptions, the things around your life, I would like you, you know, God says to the prophet, he says, while you were yet in your mother's womb, he says, I knew you. Your life has something tied to it. Your life has something tied to it. Um, so we've read through Nehemiah 1. We've read through Nehemiah 2, I think. And when we started the first week, we saw Nehemiah being prompted of God to go and rebuild. Oh, by the way, let's uh, thank Damilari for sharing her God experience. Let's thank Damilari for sharing her God experience. Thank you so much. God bless you. Um, do, if you do you know the person? If you don't, if you don't know the name of the person sitting next to you, ask them for their name, so you can write it in your notes. <laughs> uh, but if you don't, would you please just introduce yourself? So, so you're not hearing the Bible be, besides strangers, all right? Um, oh, I need to announce that uh, this Sunday, uh, there's this Friday, once every quarter. As the whole of Elevation Church, we come together uh, and thank God and pray. And so we call it Night of Increase. And I've, I don't think I've ever gone for a Night of Increase and thought, oh my, uh, you know, why did I go? It's always been phenomenal. It's always been time well spent in God's presence. Uh, so this Friday, uh, that vigil holds at 11 o'clock and everyone gathers at um, Pistis Conference Center, which is further down on the Lekki Road. Um, the Island Church. So please make put that date in your notes. This Friday at 11 o'clock um, will we'll be done. And just preparing towards that, we will be fasting Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The entire church, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, I think there are Zoom calls. During the announcement, we'll talk about it a bit more. But there are Zoom calls in the morning, uh, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Just preparing for, for that. And it promises to be a fantastic time. All right. Um, help me ask the person next to you. Ask them, how are you? How, how are you doing? How are you doing? And then spend time to just talk to them for one minute or so. Just find out how they're doing. Ask them intelligent questions. Talk to them. If you're looking at me, then that's not working. So send the person, talk to them, make conversation. If you see the person next to you is not talking to anybody, talk to the person next to you. How are you doing? Why did you come to church today? How was your week? Stuff is talked about. All right. Um, so when we started two Sundays ago, we talked about the fact that once Nehemiah is prompted by God to go and rebuild the walls, that he asks the king for permission, and he has the king for proof of authority. And we said that one of the things that you must keep very close to your heart as a Christian 
is the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. But you must never, just the same way, when you drive your car on the road, you are very careful to make sure you have your license. You are very careful to make sure you have what we call your vehicle particulars all in order. Nehemiah says to the king, would you give me letters to the kings of the regions, or the governors of the regions beyond the water or beyond the rivers as we go to, to Judah? And he says, would you give me another set of letters to Asaph, who is the keeper of the king's forest? And we talked about authority. I think that Wednesday, we then uh, had a discussion about self-examination. And, you know, Paul would say in his letters to Galatians that let everyone examine himself. And we talked about the need to, by the help of God and the help of God's word, constantly check yourself and check where you are. Check your motives. Uh, check your walk with God. Check what's really happening within you. Uh, this Wednesday, we talked about dealing with delay. And Wednesday service was a blast. I don't know if you were if you were there, but we had we had such a beautiful time. Thank everyone uh, who who came out to Upbeat Center. Uh, it was such a good time. I, I was telling the guys that I could get used to meeting there. So if you have a spare Upbeat Center that you're not using, uh, let us know. Happy to move the entire church that we could meet on Sunday there. Big place. Anyway, let me just, the message is not. I, have, I just stay with them. But no, but this is like a really big place they have. So we can finish, go and play football, come back for evening service. Monday, have like a co-working space, have small group meetings. So if you have like a real big place, um, an auntie of yours or uncle of yours, someone wrote it in the wheel that can give it to you and you don't know what to do with it. If it's, as far as it's not too far from here, please let us put it in the offering basket. We'll pick it up and... <laughs> And we'll use it, but but yeah, uh, we're, we've got a, we've got a lot worked. But it was a it was a brilliant service. So we talked about dealing with delay, and we talked about the how the power of patience and the patience is a fruit of the spirit, but it is not one that people like to think about um, in our world today. And we talked about how you know, James will write and say that let patience have its work in you. And that if as a Christian you cannot see the work of patience in you, you may not be able to produce the kind of character that your destiny requires. It says, he who is led by the Spirit who trusts in God does not make haste. We talked about how you must learn to understand with God what your time is. And that you do not use other people's times and seasons to measure your life and how that you must constantly be praying and saying lord what the bible would say in first peter one that the apostles would check or the prophets of old would check the time and manner of time that the spirit of god within them was pointing to um, as we teach through all this, I think Sunday last week we spoke about dealing with disappointments. And we spoke about the fact that um, the Christian life is not promised to be uh, a life without incident. There will be things which will come up. And when we're reading Nehemiah's story, 
we talked about these fellows called Sambalats, uh, Tobiah and Gesem, who show up out of nowhere and just start trying to distract and to discourage this young man. Why? I mean, no basis. At, at some junction, the Bible says that they start to ridicule and threaten. We talked about how that when God calls you to do things in life, you will sometimes, not sometimes, is making it sound, you will have to deal with disappointments. You will. Right? There might be someone here who has had something not happen the way you wanted it to happen. They told you you were not going to get promoted. She said she doesn't like you anymore. After you spent your last month's salary and borrowed some. Even though your pastor told you you shouldn't be doing that. But you say, I ought to prove my love. Well, yeah, she gone. <laughs> he told you he liked you. But that it wasn't you, it was him. That, that you, I really like you. You would make a, a fantastic. I can I can see you as a fantastic wife for someone. It's just that. <laughs> you would have to deal with disappointments in life, but the Bible says all things work together, and God will never have put that scripture in there if all things were fine. No. So it means plus the breakup the disappointment, the denial, the loss, all things work together. In fact, the way I used to say to myself was that they are, my, they are employees on my behalf. Traffic works together. Everything works together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let me tell the person next to you, tell him it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Gonna be all right. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, let me read this one. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 18. I'll read it in the message translation. I'd like us to pray today at some point. So let's see how how far we can go in the discussion. The title of the message today is How to Avoid Arrest. If you've been arrested before, it's not a pleasant thing. Timoni, you've been arrested before. When you are abroad, Abby. I'm just asking. <laughs> it says in the message translation from verse 13, be prepared. You are up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, but the shot. When it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You will need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up 
so that no one falls behind or drops out. I like it. He says this is ongoing warfare. Um, and you know, I, I've been saying this and I'll keep on repeating it that the, the life in itself is not a fairy tale. That whole picture, because that's we, you know, we like watching all those movies where you know they say they, they meet you know uh, uh, each other, the princess is sleeping, the prince charming comes, jumps down, kisses her without asking. <laughs> okay and then she wakes up gets married and they live happily happily they have children one first then twins then triplets big castle birds coming and singing for them every day Christian life is a fight it is the Christian life is a fight God calls us to war he would say we wrestle not against flesh and blood it's not a video game you know sometimes when you're playing the video games you're you're fighting but you're not there wrestling itself is a contact sport and when we read the Himaya story, at some point, you have to ask yourself, I mean, why is all this opposition arising? I mean, do these guys know Nehemiah from somewhere? Did he offend them in primary school? This land that Nehemiah is going to build, is it something they were looking to develop, you know, into houses or fancy estates? Why is it of interest to them? Preparing for this, I realized that these guys are not fighting Nehemiah himself. They were fighting territory that God has ordained for Israel. This battle going on in your life, around your life, in front of you, is about territory that God has ordained. We read Nehemiah 4.14. Nehemiah says to them, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, and fight for your houses. Someone, this fight that God has called you to is not about you. I know you think the song is about you, but it's not. The fight you are fighting is not about you alone. Maybe you are, you are fighting for the whole of Ibadan. You don't know yet. For someone, you are fighting a battle and it, it feels very personal and intense. But it's not about you. There is territory that 
they perceive. And maybe for someone, it explains why the abuse happened when you were young. For someone, it explains why there has been so much grief around you. When Jesus was born, all hell breaks loose. There's crying, there's killing, because they know that there is something about this life. For someone, you're wondering, why, why is my own like this? Why, why, I mean, why all these challenges in my life? There's territory involved, sir. Someone, you're wondering, why am I battling with the clouds of depression? Why am I fighting this demon? There's territory involved. I know when you think of your life, you think of your story. But when God sees you, that may not be all he sees. When God sees you, some of you, he sees industries. Not when God sees you, maybe he sees ministries, a whole bunch of churches in South America or South Africa. And when you're smiling, you're happy. You're going to be a pastor? <laughs> I think God is business school. Okay, well, just focus. But you're going to be a pastor, sure. <laughs> His girlfriend is leaving the service. <laughs> but seriously, ask the person next to you, what do you see about yourself? What do you see about yourself? What do you see about yourself? Because sometimes you look in the mirror and all you see is your fine face. You see your makeup, your wig your dimples sometimes you see your bald head sometimes you see your troubles because they followed you to the mirror house rent you see your supervisor's voice face for some of you when you look in the mirror you see the words that they spoke to you when you were 13 Sambala, Tobai and Gesem were not far away but when God sees you What does he see? He says, remember the Lord. Fight for your brethren. Someone, there's a whole generation, a whole gen- and I mean that, a whole generation tied to your life. Someone, when you drive out on Monday morning, you see chaos. But that's not what God sees. Fight for your brethren, for your sons, for your daughters, for your wives, for your houses. Someone like Nehemiah, you're close to the king. But you are misreading the access and the privilege that you have at this time. The Bible says Nehemiah was the king's cup bearer. And so when new kings will show up in town when guests will show up in town before the king had anything he would call so Nehemiah was in some pretty important meetings and must have drank some pretty impressive wine this is wine from Rome Nehemiah come here taste it you didn't die okay I'll taste it now that was his job but you know like Mordecai says to Esther 
Perhaps you have been put in the kingdom for such a time as this. I said it last Sunday and I'll say it again. Do you think that God made a mistake when he posted you here? I mean, if you look at me, you know I look American. Oh no, my features, you know, sweetheart. I look American. Yes. Black American. I mean, I look like somebody that could easily, easily have been born in Atlanta. No, easily. If you don't think so, you need glasses, mate. <laughs> but when God brought you, sent you to a Keja GRA, Lagos, he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. There is territory involved in this fight. Tell someone there's more to you than meets the eyes. There's more to you than meets the eyes. Someone your parents waited for 10 years. And I, I need to lay this foundation before as we proceed because it's important that we understand what this fight is all about. Someone your parents waited for a number of years before they could have you. It wasn't so you could become a professional drinker. No. It wasn't about money. God wanted to make sure he had their attention. And so when they had said to him, Lord, when you, if you give us this child, we'll make sure he serves God all the days of his life. He said, are you sure? Say yes. Okay, so Jairo, come to the world now. So Nehemiah has been, he's having to deal with people who, and this is, he's having a fun time in the palace, but people who do not mean him well. Things which, I mean, he got letters from the king. Next thing you know, you're getting insults from Sambala, Tobiah, and Gesem. Hmm. But we said this two weeks ago, it bears repeating that when God sends us in the name of Jesus, it is implied that we have the victory. The challenge is that sometimes we have a different definition of victory or what that success should look like from what God does or what God sees. Anyway, look, this whole story with Sambala, Tobiah, and Gesem, it escalates very quickly. Uh, let's read Nehemiah chapter 4. Um, right, and from verse 7. It says, now it happened. When Sambala, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Arabs, well, the Arabs have now joined in, yeah? The Ammonites and the Ashodites, they've then joined in. So it's a bigger company now. Because when you read the first account, it's just Sambalat and Tobiah. Then Gesem comes in. Then now you have the Arabs, Ashodites. When they heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and that the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they, began, they became very angry and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So it's no longer... 
text messages saying, we don't think you can do this. Last week we read them saying to him, look, what kind of walls are you building? Even if a fox leans on this wall, it will... No. Now there is a conspiracy to come and attack and cause confusion. It says, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Anyone who will go and do stuff for God will have to know that the devil will not be pleased. Scripture says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It says, but Jesus has come that we may have life and have it in abundance. When Christians show up and say we are going to do something in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the devil does not sit down sipping coffee. Because here, it escalates. In fact, in verse 13, you know, it says, Therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families. But it became obvious that this is not just mere envy. The Bible says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 2, I think one of the earlier verses there, Paul is writing and he begins to say, there is a spirit that is at work in the children of disobedience. And so we're not of the people who would say that anything bad that happens has a spiritual implication. If your phone falls down, the screen breaks, you say, my village people have come. No, you broke your phone. Right. And they told you to put screen, no, no. Have faith. Or are you going to use your faith and buy? But, sir, there will be times in our life when, in the midst of what God has said we should do, that we need to realize that this is more than just a normal altercation. In fact, when you read Nehemiah 4.12, the Bible says there, so it was when the Jews who dealt, who dwelt near them came, that they told us, how many times? Ten times. From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. It, the frequency was just too much. They were telling Nehemiah, look man, they said they told them 10 times, you're going to die. You're going to, they're going to disarm, they're going to come upon us and destroy us. When you read Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 4, you see another variant of this whole escalation. The Bible says there that they sent me this message four times. What was the message they were sending him? They were saying, look, chief, come, let us confer. It says, now when it came to pass, this is chapter 6, when it came to pass, 
when Sambalat and Tobiah and Gassim, the Arab and the and um, yep, and and the rest of our enemies here that had built the wall, and there was no breach left therein, though at that time had not set up the doors up onto the gate, that Sambalat and Gesem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they sought to do me mischief. One translation says, They sought to do me harm. I love what he says here. It says, verse 3 says, And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Somebody say, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. I'm not going down. It says, Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sambalat his servant, unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. There is territory. Because when you wake up one morning and all your ex-girlfriends, Nat, are texting you, we just want to check on how you're doing. And you are feeling popular. All three of them. Kate sends you a message. Jessica sends you a message. It's like, how does P I know all these names? Fumi sends you a message. Nat, I couldn't sleep. I was just thinking about you. Nat, they've dusted your file somewhere. <sighs> That's not when you should be feeling, oh my God, I'm, I'm, ah, I'm happening. No, Nat. Ah. Even you know you're not that hot. <laughs> no, you are hot, but you're not that. All three on the same day. No. <laughs> the Bible says we wrestle not. I, I'm, I'm speaking to someone because, look, Nehemiah went on the authority of a king. And yet, all hell breaks loose around him. I mean, by the time they start saying, let us go and attack Jerusalem, by the time people are coming to you, one, two, three, four, five, ten times to say, look, man, it's all done. By the time they're sending you letters, you get to the place where you understand that there is a spiritual dimension to this. One of the things I see Nehemiah do here as he begins to deal with what undoubtedly is demonic interference is just a prayer culture. Because as you read through the first six or seven chapters of Nehemiah, you would find him constantly praying that there is prayer that requisitions the help of God. Even in times of distress. Ephesians chapter 6 that we read earlier. Apostle Paul says there in the message translation. He says that in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. He says pray hard and long. Because you know some people say, why are you always shouting when you pray? Hey, 
If you saw the battles I am fighting, you will shout. And in fact, maybe you are supposed to be shouting in your own life. Maybe you have just not seen what you are fighting. And long. So sometimes people say it's not in the length of the prayer. I just talked to my father, Abba Father, good morning to you from Lekki, Nigeria. Let this day be fine. Peace out. Love your son. And everything is fine with me and God. <laughs> Even in London, they don't pray like that. Where there's light, 24 hours, people are on the queue. No, they don't pray like that. You've not had light for three days. <laughs> In a country where people can't afford health care. <laughs> One of my neighbors has turned to a power generating company because the sound of that thing behind his house, I suspect he's powering the whole street. Pray hard and long, sir. There is something about the prayer culture of our generation that needs to be uh, it needs to be jacked up as my pastor will say some of you grew up some of us grew up with parents that prayed all night he said they are just legalistic ah, vigil what we can do? how can we do a vigil once a week but we can go we can go out once a week Do not turn your back on the fight, church. There is territory involved in this matter. Praying in the spirit. If I go and read the NKJV of Ephesians chapter 6, it says praying with all types of prayer. Learning how to pray. remember reading the book it used to be called the art of intercession then called the art of prayer by Kenneth Hagin and it changed my thinking and my approach to prayer I wrote in my notes how about any project anything that you would want to do for God anything of significance will require you to spend time praying would require a culture of deep heartfelt, sustained prayer. That before the church calls a fast, before the church says, let us pray, that you need to put time in your calendar and say, I am spending this one hour praying for X, Y, and Z. I don't know who it is, but there have been stirrings in your heart about the territory that God is calling you to. And on one hand, you can see the stirrings. On the other hand, you can already hear the whispers of your Sambala, Tobiah, and your Gesem, and the Ammonites, and all of them. And you're wondering, should I get involved in this or not? I, I want to be the guy who, when he stands before God on that day, I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I heard God say to me, Idris, you did every single thing that I asked you to do. If Christ tarries, I want to be the guy that when my grandchildren talk about me, 
They say our grandfather Idris was a great man. My God. When they talk about the battles that I fought. Sweet, I'm talking about our grandchildren. How romantic. <sighs> Sorry, I just need to focus. Where was I? Uh, my grandchildren. Right. <laughs> no, because this thing is not about you. I, and I, I, for some, please tap your neighbor. Tell them this is not about you. Tell them it's not about Tell them you need to wake up. You need to wake up. Tell them there's a fight. There's a fight. You are too, you are dressed too pretty for this fight. Your hair is, no, it's true. Your, your wig is too okay for this fight. <laughs> ah, God. It says in this way, prayer is essential for this ongoing warfare. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 9. The Bible says they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and will not be completed. It says, but I prayed. The NIV says, but I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. James chapter 5 and 13 in the KJV. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is anybody in trouble? Do you know how many people have been killed in the last month because we said we're electing officials? Innocent people. Guys, prayer for us is not optional. I don't know how much you saw the former generation pray, but we must pray more than they did. More intelligently, but we must pray more than they did. There's something that God put in my heart and I share this. We see here that Nehemiah says, look, that um, in chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God and because of them, right? It says, we set a watch against them day and night. If that's verse 13 of that same Nehemiah 4, it says, therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families. It's preparing, I heard the word, a company of watchers. Can I explain what this means? And then I began to remember how Jesus will say, watch and pray. And, and, and watching, when you read through some translations, it would use the word alertness. Tell your neighbor, be alert, be alert, be alert, yeah, be alert. Because when you are, when you are fighting a battle, you cannot afford to turn your back. Now, alertness in the spirit Watching in the spirit is not to be confused for superstition. You're driving home, come down from your car, a black cat runs. As it's running, it turns, looks at you, licks its lips, runs on. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh God! The people from my village, the neighboring village, have finally tracked themselves down. <laughs> no, it's not superstition. 
And I've said, if my wife permits, one day I'm buying six black cats, one white. Leave them in the house. No visitors anymore. <laughs> when people just come here, you see all the cats. <laughs> so, Pia, I, just, I was not really coming to your house anymore. But it's, watching is not superstition, church. It's not being paranoid. Neither is it the spiritual gift of su- su- suspicion. No, that's not what it is. No. But it's being in a place where your eyes are open to what God is doing and being aware where you have what we call your spiritual sensitivity sharpened, sir. Jesus will say, watch and pray. I like how the writer of Habakkuk will say, he says, I will set myself upon the watch that I may see what he would say to me. It's about being in a place where you do not let anything break your focus. Nehemiah says, because of them, as I prayed, I set a watch against them day and night. I was preparing for this, I heard a phrase in my heart that some people cannot see their lives. And, and I was like, what does that mean? It's like, it's almost saying, look, you are so aware of what is happening in the lives of everybody else, but you cannot see your life. Watching is done in the spirit. It says, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall. It says, where can they have access to us? And so Nehemiah begins to put watchmen everywhere. So I prayed all through yesterday, evening yesterday. I kept saying, look, where are the watchmen? Help me ask the person next to you, who's watching you? Who's watching over you? Who's watching over you? In fact, ask the person that you know. Ask them, are you watching over me? Are you, are you watching for me? <laughs> ah. You know, when you read Luke chapter 21, from verse 34 to 36 in the message translation, that place where Jesus says, watch and pray, this is how it renders it. It says, but be on your guard. Do not let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled, oh wow, by parties Mm. and drinking. Oh wow, and ladies, look at this one. And shopping. Uh, The poor mommy, I said, ladies, that shop. Yes, I stand by my word. Shopping is good. I like shopping. I like retail therapy. I like shopping. Sometimes when I'm afraid, my wife just takes me out. Shop, shop, shop. I'm confessing positively. <laughs> hey, the hash. Uh, no, but guys, because it means, it says, do not, uh, this scripture, we should look at it properly. Do not let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties. I like plural, parties. So you went to party Thursday. You came back home at 3 a.m. You went to work. Friday. Friday, you didn't even come back home. In fact, you came to church now from your friend's house. Drinking. And shopping. 
says, I set a watch. Do not let anything break your focus. Be careful of that which reduces your alertness in the spirit. Jesus says to Peter, he says, hey, young man, come, you've been, you've been dancing up and down. He says, the devil has sought to sift you as with. He says, but I have prayed for you. Can you see what is happening around your life? Can God prod you and say, oh, but you need to pray for mama. Can God leave burdens on your heart? Or are you watching the reunion? You knew I was going to go there. Because I can't, oh, father. They've been telling me I should just be focused. But because when you go for dinner with this guy, and then after a while, they don't do candlelight dinner. You can't, you're, no, your alertness is low. Then they start to sing, turn the lights down low. You should shout, I am the light of the world. Delilah. <laughs> Could not cut off Samson's hair when he was awake, sir. Ah. Because, no, she waited for him to be sleeping. You need to be careful about where and when you fall asleep. I tell your neighbor, stay woke, man. Stay woke. Stay woke. You cannot afford any more naps on Delilah's laps. Mm. <laughs> <coughs> And, and the best thing I'm talking to knows this guy just got up, he's leaving the service. <laughs> Sorry, do, do come back, I apologize. Not... No, but <laughs> no, this is important because we've got on one hand a generation that God says, I put you in the midst of Nigeria, I'm coming back soon. He says, Let's build, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Yet we seem to be the generation most possessed with a need for partying, for drinking, for shopping. He says, do not let the sharp edge of your expectation, your ability to interpret, to understand what is happening. Do not let it be dulled by some, because there's nothing wrong with a party. I like to go to a party. I like parties. Music is good. Don't you like dancing? I like dancing. Oh, I like party. I like shopping. Oh, ha. And I don't go to every shop. No, 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 no. I'm very, and my wife knows now. I'm very particular. That's my favorite shop. I like this shop. And drinking. Okay, I don't like drinking. <laughs> I'm a control freak. I, I, God forbid. I will not know where I am. I lie. <laughs> <laughs> so let the Holy Spirit, I let push me around like that. Even on the plane, I open my eye. Say, let's sleep. Nobody's sleeping. Help me ask the person next to you. Tell them, are you awake? Are you awake? Nehemiah says, I set a watch because I understood that we could be attacked. Someone needs to go back, look through your phone book and some people's names. When you get it, you say, Fumi, then you put in bracket, Delilah. James, you put in bracket, Sambalats. Johnny, you put in bracket, Tobiah. So when they call your spirit man out, he says, you know what it is. 
This is not a joke. It's not a rehearsal. It's not a drill. Jesus says to pray and to watch. To be mindful of anything in your life that doesn't look like something God has planted. That you would ask yourself, did God plant this? That you would watch your thoughts. That you would watch your emotions. That you would watch your body. That you would watch your money. That you would watch your patterns. The last time she hugged you, 30 minutes you couldn't construct tongues anymore. And then you are still looking for her after service. Get two brothers, watchers, a company of watchers. Tell them, if you see that girl coming near me, surround me like a shield. Hey. Oh, Father. I'm, I'm serious. Tell the person next to you, tell them, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Tell them you've got a great life ahead of you. Because the devil comes disguised. He comes disguised. I, I mean, do you think that Samson, Samson saw that he was going to be, that his eyes, because when they take him down, they take out Samson's eyes. They flog him. They make nonsense of the man who God had called to be a judge for Israel. Because the man who God has called to fix our power sector has been hanging out, drinking, and partying. You know why these bus drivers are trying to hit you in the morning? Because the man doesn't know where his children are going to go to school, how they're going to pay their school fees. And you know why that is for now? It's because God sent you and I to Nigeria to fix these things. So you now say, ah, oh, this bus driver is terrible. I will start leaving my house at 5 a.m. Even at 5 a.m., they'll still find you. And you now say, oh, this Lagos is stressful. Ah, Friday night, I need to turn up. Watch and pray. I tell the person next to you, tell them, bye-bye, Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you have to shake the weak just touch the makeup let it come off then you see it Sambalat that is staring you in the face sometimes you have to yank the beard off and let Tobiah speak to you because you figure oh, if you hear his voice behind you say hello Damilari baby I've been, I've been thinking about you can you not hear the accent? It's from hell. To live a guarded life. Nehemiah 6.10 to 13 says, Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who should go up into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. The next one. He says, then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. 
but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. That you need to get to the place where you are praying in the spirit. You are praying in your understanding. You are watching. You have a company of watchers that even when false prophecy arrives, you know who God sent and who God did not send. Not everyone who prophesies is sent by God. He says, I, he, no, Nehemiah was in a place where, because I'm sure the guy was shaking when he said, hmm, Nehemiah, hmm, hmm, la, 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 la. Nehemiah, ne, ne, he, look, hmm, 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 then he would dance a bit, shake his head, hmm, Nehemiah, they're coming, they're coming. A company of watchers. For someone, this is you in your Christian life over the things that God has placed within you. It says, fight for your brethren. For someone, it's also about you getting people together. I've been saying this since last year, that you need to start getting, get start a WhatsApp group. Tell them we'll meet and we'll pray once a month. This ramble thing you are doing, going by yourself, up and down, nobody knows where you went. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody can account for you. We don't do like that in the kingdom. When you go for party, give them instruction. If you will see the party is getting hot, then you now see that one boy is dragging me or saying I should follow him into a garden. Me, I'm going to. Tell them, come and grab me. Have a designated watcher. Tell the person next to you, tell them, are you awake? Are you awake? In fact, I like how in Nehemiah chapter 4, when you read verse 19 to 20 he says then I said to the nobles the rulers and the rest of the people the work is great and extensive and we are separated far from one another on the wall he says wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there our God will fight for us you know in Ezekiel 33 he would talk about the role of the watcher he says when God will give a signal of something that is impending, he says the watcher will blow the trumpet. Who in your life is providing warning? Ask the people that are close to me. Sometimes you say to me, Ah, Pierre, I'm going to see my boyfriend in South Africa. My questions are very simple. Okay, very nice. Because once we've cleared that he's not doing 419 drugs and all those things. Okay, okay, very nice. This is South Africa you're going to, so where are you going to stay? Ah, Pia, I'll stay in his, he has this lovely house. Oh, I bring out my trumpet. Boom! They want to cut your hair, dear. Oh, no, it's true, because you know sometimes, you know, we, 